Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I'm Emma, and some of you may know me when I was a baby, when I was in Kick, when I was in Crash, when I was in Ignite. And it's um, probably, well, hopefully that you already know that we're speaking about Psalms today. And I've chosen Psalm 27 in particular. And in particular, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear is such a massive thing today. It stops things happening, it hurts people, and it stops you living for God. I remember a time when I was afraid. I brought some people along to a church event, and when you bring people along to something like that, you want it to be good, don't we? We want them to enjoy themselves and to engage. And they were sitting outside. Nightmare. And this could have been for so many reasons. They could have been hot, could have felt it was too stuffy in there. But I took it as if I'd failed bringing them to church, and that scared me. What are you frightened of? When I was planning this talk, I asked a handful of people of what they were scared of. Things like getting old, drowning, heights, spiders, not having financial stability, current events. But maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe it's the potential death of a loved one. Maybe it's people not liking you. Maybe it's people finding out your secrets, your deepest, darkest secrets that you don't want anybody to know about. Do you fear your future? Do you fear your past? Do you fear failure? Some of us may turn the same things over and over again in our mind and and that keeps us awake at night and we can't stop thinking about it. Maybe it is about the circumstances of our future. Fear not only kills our joy, but it can lead to physical and mental side effects. It sometimes means that God is completely pushed out of the picture. Fear is destructive in every way. Like quite a few of the Psalms, Psalm 27 is written by David. It is not 100% clear when David is actually writing this, but from the content, many have concluded that David was being pursued by his enemies. David was evidently coming out of a place of fear. And I'm not saying that our fears are rational or unjustified. David's enemies are most definitely real. Failing, the future, spiders are definitely real. But where is God in all of this? David wrote verse 1 when his life was good, when God was answering all of his prayers, perhaps this was after he killed Goliath. David begins his psalm in confidence. David had just been safe from his enemies and he confidently states his new fearless attitude. David is such an influence for complete trust in God. But also, God has just helped him. His prayers have just been answered. It's easy to be super enthusiastic to God when something good has happened. But what about the opposite? How do we stay strong when life seems frightening and difficult? It's a constant battle between what we fear and what we know. And we know God is always for us. We've read so many songs and sung so many songs about it. We've heard so many amazing testimonies where God has really, really shown up. And we've read so many verses. Faith doesn't always stop difficult and dark situations. But it just shifts what we focus upon. The Lord is my light, and light drives out darkness. You can either focus upon fear or you can focus upon faith. But if there is no trust, then there is no faith. And all you focus on is the dark, the fear. And you become completely overwhelmed. And then you may get angry at God for putting you in that situation, but then again you didn't trust him. Where do you turn to when life seems difficult and too hard to handle? Perhaps your mates? Do you go to a partner, a family member? But how often do those relationships fail? How often do you get let down? How often can't they help? 
A lot of the time, the person we turn to we think is perfect. And that's why we go to them, because we think they're going to know all the answers. Therefore, when they do things which aren't perfect, we are left hurt and full of questions. But why is it such a surprise? When we put our faith in fallible humans, which is what we are, we shouldn't expect anything but failure. As hard as it is, your mates, your partner, your family member aren't perfect. So when do we go to them? Why do we expect a perfect solution? Often God may be seen as a last resort after you've asked everybody else and hope for the answer that you personally want. Too often I'm impatient. I want God to do what I want and I want it on my terms and my schedule. It's almost like I forget God knows exactly what he's doing. In the face of suffering and fear, you may feel alone, but instead of persisting, we get angry about God and we get angry that he's put us there and then we turn to our own devices. I know that I do. And what does that result in? Back to David. David was a skilled and experienced warrior. He must have been a guy of immense physical strength. But nevertheless, he looked to God to be the centre of his life and the strength of his life. David didn't act like he could do it all or only go to God with super massive decisions and super massive circumstances. He trusted God regardless. Often to admit that we are so powerless and to admit to the insufficiency of human strength is the first step to acknowledging that God has ultimate power over our lives. The more that we recognise our weaknesses, the more that we can experience his strength. Accepting what God wants is difficult. It requires such patience and trust. And sometimes all you want is a situation to change. But God's plan isn't always as easy as that. Sometimes what God wants isn't what you want it to happen or isn't the answer that you wanted or were expecting. Sometimes God does nothing. But real trust in God is trust regardless of a situation's outcome. I think often fear holds us back because it means that we're going to have to change our behaviour and we don't want to leave a place of comfort and security. But God's plans are exciting. It's exciting to see how, people, how God uses people and brings people out of their comfort zones and challenges their faith and changes people. But as much as an uncertain future dictated by God can be exciting... It's also really scary knowing that you're not in charge. But how do we apply David's trust in God to our own lives? By expressing your faith in times of troubles, you take the first step towards healing and wholeness. In times of fear, maybe we could write down prayers or we could, we could write and chat to people about times where God has helped you through difficult circumstances. David actually begins some of his psalms as rants to God. And actually, I didn't know Neil was actually going to be talking about the verse I'm about to talk on. So I'm not copying, I'm just echoing. <laughs> In Psalm 13, David writes, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He seems angry at God, and that's written in the Bible. But at the end of the psalm, David still maintains he trusts God's love, and he thanks God for being so, so good to him. Although circumstances haven't changed, David continues to trust and he feels better at the end. I think being able to get our emotions out not only helps us acknowledge rational and irrational feelings, but it gets them out of our system. And although this may not actually change things, it definitely helps coping. In the spirit of Psalms, we can aim to read a psalm a day or half a psalm each day. There's so many which link to so many different situations. And also, when preparing for this, I came across a preacher who divides this process called ARM. It goes as follows. One, admit that you're wrong. Be honest with God. Admit, admit that you don't know what to do and, and you want his help. Honesty is such a good way to pray. Two, recall God's promises. Either promises made to you or to your friends or 
or just in the Bible? And finally, free, make the decision to trust. So back to my story when I thought my friends being outside meant that I had failed. After I was having those thoughts, someone came up to the front and spoke about how they felt they failed recently. And they went on to say that God doesn't think so, that God doesn't think that person has failed and somebody in the room feels as if they have. And that God is directly telling that person that they haven't. Imagine a fearless life. Imagine if we could all adopt a David's fearless attitude. Obviously, when I say fearless, I mean within reason. I don't mean just jumping off buildings, praying that God's going to catch you, or purposely doing dangerous things, knowing God's got your back. I mean trusting in God before yourself. How many lives could be changed? How many times have you been afraid to do something because of how God will, God will perceive you or people will perceive you? How many times do you think others have missed out? How many times have you missed out? God has a funny way of pushing people out of their comfort zones. How many times has fear held you back? God puts people in situations where he wants them to be. If I'm living in constant fear, how am I supposed to make a difference? The Lord is our light and our salvation. What do you fear? The Lord is a stronghold of our lives. Why are you afraid? If you have any questions or just want to chat, I'll be here at the end. I'm sure there'll be a chance of prayer and have a lovely rest of the service and a lovely week. Thank you.